Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Parents, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up. And bring them up in the instruction and the correction of the Lord. Uh, There are two central tools that God has given for maturing, for growing, for parenting. The first tool is instruction, and we went over that tool last week and talked about the tool of instruction last week. And parents, I just want to remind you that uh, it is your job to be instructing your children. And today we're going to be talking about the tool of correction and what that looks like. And I want for us to begin by understanding this. Those two tools must work together. There really is almost never a time where it's just about instruction and just about correction. It's about both of them together. Correction is never done without instruction with it, ever. In fact, here's a couple passages. I'll just read to you. Proverbs 10:17 said, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects correction leads others astray. Proverbs 13:18 Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction but whoever heeds correction is honored. Proverbs 15:32 Whoever ignores instruction interesting despises himself but he who listens to correction gains intelligence. Now, I think all of us would pretty much sit back and go, yeah, the instruction part, totally get. Uh, I understand that, and parents, you know, we're about instructing our kids, and I get that. But uh, the correction part, really? I mean, is correction really a part of parenting? Is correction really a part of a loving God? I mean, I thought a loving God would not correct. Well, turn to Proverbs 13. Everybody turn to Proverbs 13. And I want to take us through a few passages here. Now, um, Proverbs 13. I give you warning because these next three, four passages that we read, in fact, the next six passages that we read, um, may make you and I a bit uncomfortable. In our culture, I'm about to read some passages that are likely going to be uncomfortable. And uh, just listen and ask this question. Does, um, is discipline, is correction, is that part of parenting? Is that part of what God would have a parent to do or a grandparent to do? Let's take a look. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Let's start there. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Turn to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Proverbs 
Proverbs 22:15. Folly, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We talked about that last week. Now, the latter half of that verse. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Okay, one more. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, starting verse 13. Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Are you uncomfortable yet? Especially in our culture in this day and age. And by the way, today is not a seminar or workshop on spanking. Here's the thing. Um, Another time. Here's the thing. Is God serious about discipline? Yeah. In fact, ouch. Uh, Go to Proverbs 12. Hang a left. Go to Proverbs 12, verse 1. Let's kind of key in on this discipline here just for a couple moments issue out of Proverbs. God is very serious about correction. Proverbs 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is what? Well, excuse me. Hey, this was the S word in our home growing up with our kids. We didn't use this word in our home. Stupid was not something said in our home. And yet, look at this. Look at this. And this is is everybody. This isn't just parenting. Everybody. If you, if I am a person who does not like correction, God says, I, you, are stupid. (laughs) Wow. Okay, Proverbs 15.10. Proverbs 15.10. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. This is just talking about in general. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates correction will what? Now, let's put that in an Old Testament perspective here, and let's all turn to Deuteronomy 21. We haven't been there yet here at this church, and here we go. Deuteronomy 21. I get a kick out of this one. Deuteronomy 21, starting in verse 18. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18. Hey, teens, tweens, listen. If a man who has a stubborn and rebellious son will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother... And though they discipline him, he will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. Verse 20. And they shall say to the elders of this city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. 
He is a glutton and a drunkard. Now, all right, so in, in essence, parents, we look at this and we say, okay, kid gets out of hand. You've been correcting and you've been disciplining your, your son, your daughter, and, and they're to a point. It's like, okay, this is like out of control, so let's bring him to the church or let's bring him to the elders and let's bring him in front of them, and they're going to have a little loving on him. Well, let's define this loving. Verse 21, then... All the men of the city shall shall stone him to what? Hokey Pete! (laughs) Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. I'd say... Look at that. Is God serious about correction and discipline? Like out of control. And it makes me wonder. How many of us living in that day would not be alive? Teens? Tweens? How many of you, how many of your friends in that day would have been stoned to death? Let's go to Hebrews 12 is our last passage. Are you like, am I like really making you feel uncomfortable here? I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 3 through 11. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, Jesus Christ, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet uh, resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Why does God say, parents, instruct and correct your children? The reason? Because He Himself does that with His children. 
God instructs and corrects his children. And in fact, his instruction and his correction is a sign of you being his child. We need to understand that God's love is a perfecting love. It's not a pampering love. God's love is not about giving to you and I after we incessantly whine. God, I want this. I want this. I want the toy. I want the toy. That's not what God, how I things handle. God is all about a perfecting love. It's towards holiness. So parents... You are to instruct and correct your children biblically. One, because you're told to, and two, because you're about modeling your heavenly father. And you are about modeling your child's heavenly father. The two tools. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the instruction and the correction of the Lord. Two tools. The first tool is instruction. Parents, we talked about last week, teach the scriptures, teach the scriptures. Listen, it's not going to happen on its own. You need to make it happen, parents. And it's your primary responsibility. And it includes teaching formally, informally, and being creative about it, and teaching by your example, as we talked about. And you see on the graph here, it depicts how instruction should be increasing over time. And we're going to come back to this here in a little bit. So question, just to the parents, is are you instructing your children? Are you You should be. You need to be. God tells you to. Now, the second tool is correction. Correction. Don't you love that little guy? Bless his heart. What is correction? Reproof. It's teaching with consequences. What is correction? Correction is teaching with bite. It's teaching for a purpose. It's providing loving limits for a child, for children. And understand this, it's not your only tool. It is one of the two key tools. And all correction must contain teaching. Correction without teaching is unbiblical anger. All correction is to have teaching in it. It's about training. It's not about getting out my frustration. And the graph here shows that correction, the discipline, it's mostly in the younger years. It shows here that the amount of time you correct decreases over time. It should. It also talks here about the manner in which you correct. Listen, parents, if you're correcting your 10, 12, 15, 18-year-old the way you did five years ago, you're out of date. And time to get onto the program to where your child is. And I want to tell you, I mean that it's a hard thing to keep progressing along the correction line. So here's what we're going to do. Three things a parent's correction should be. Three things a parent's correction should be. First, a parent's correction should be definable. Listen, clarity strengthens teaching. Clarity strengthens teaching. And your correction, your discipline should be understood by you and by your child in the process of it. It keeps the issue of when when your correction is understood and known, it keeps in front of the child the issue at hand rather than the surrounding issue of the actual discipline itself. 
because we want to keep them on the correction issue. It should be minimal. There should be minimal surprises in your correction. Minimal surprises in your correction. And that means, parents, you need to know what exactly you're going to do in various circumstances. Do you? Or are you kind of going by the fly? If you're going by the fly, I'm just going to tell you, you are going to end up correcting without training and teaching. And there needs to be a definable reality. And in fact, you can see definable in a child's eyes, in a grandchild's eyes. In other words, when something takes place and and you correct, and they're kind of literally like, where did that come from? Whoa, that was out of the blue. Now, Now look at me. When I just did that, what is going on is, if I'm the child, what's going on in that is, I'm like, I'm thinking about what just happened here. Why did that just take place? And I'm off track of what the issue was. And now I'm caught off guard. And that's the kind of picture that, no, okay, apparently it's not definable here. It's been not been defined. I love this reality. Now remember this with our kids. Something's going on, and you ask them to do something, and they're sitting there, and you can just see in their head going, hmm, if I do that, it's going to result in, ouch, if I do that, I really kind of don't want to, but it's going to be a whole lot. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of that whole process where they're thinking it through, whether they're a little one or a teen. Give them the time to process it. Now you're getting to the issue rather than the, whoa, what was with that kind of a thing? So correction needs to be definable. Parents, are, is your correction definable? Grandparents, so your grandchildren, is it definable? Do they understand what the tools in your correction toolbox are and how they're applied? To be able to have correction that teaches, you also want to be able to have correction that should be reasonable. Your correction should be reasonable in the process. In other words, it should be fitting. The punishment should fit the offense at the time. And it should also fit the age. The punishment should fit the age and it should fit the offense. Hey, listen, parents, newsflash. Not every problem is a major problem. Yeah, but all sin is sin. Understand, but not all sin has the same consequences. And there are things that even at times we kind of just kind of, uh, take this lightly, almost have to let go to key in on the major issues. And not every single thing is a nuclear war. And you don't bring out the nuclear bombs for non-nuclear war issues. And so it needs to be reasonable. It needs to be fitting. It also needs to be enforceable. Uh, Reasoned correction is enforceable. You're on winter vacation. Or no, okay, you're on winter vacation. You go, listen, doggy, if you don't stop this, we're going home right now. Oh, really? And I'm just going to tell you, if you're a parent that has a tendency to do that, you better go home right then. Because otherwise, you have just taught your child that you're a, a manipulator. And you're at Walmart, and it's going crazy. Or I remember when our kids were younger, Cub Foods. 
was up in the Fishers area. And oftentimes Karen would tell the stories about it, Cub Foods. And it was like before she would go into the store, she would go over the guidelines in the car just to lovingly help our children along. They would re- repeat the guidelines of what you're to, is expected of you in the store. You get in the store and after all, everything falls apart. And so Karen gets to the last point. They know, listen, if, if you don't stop it, we're leaving right now. Then there were a couple times where Karen, it kept going, and Karen took the card up front, stopped at the office, said, I'm sorry, but I'm having problems with my child, and I need to go home, and uh, will you be able to take care of this? Every time they were like, absolutely, and they left right there. And they know. Listen, if I'm bringing that gun out, you better be ready. So it needs to be enforceable. Parents, is your correction reasonable? Unreasonable connection, the correction does not teach. It exasperates. Third, parents, a correction should be useful. Should be useful. Five things for useful. One, uh, correction is useful because it establishes order. It establishes order. I mean, and this just makes sense. Think about this. It establishes order for the child because the child understands what the parameters are. It establishes order for the parents because now the parents understand what the issues are. It establishes order just for the home because the home has order. And it establishes order for other people. So when you come to church or when you take your child to school or when they go off to other places to camp, there's an aspect where they have been trained in there's orderliness in life that's going on. It establishes order. Second, it, it, it is useful for protecting. I mean, it just these are some duh things. But it just protects our child. Don't touch the hot stove. Don't go there. Don't climb up the stairs at that age. Uh, don't do this, teen. Watch yourself. It just it helps to protect them. It helps protect them from things and situations and, frankly, from them own, their own self. Okay? Third, it is useful in preparing them. It, it prepares them. It prepares a child to have self-discipline. Parents, I would really encourage you, go to the New Testament, get out a concordance, go through it, and look at all the times that it talks about self-discipline. Self-discipline is a key core foundation of any person who is going to live for God. And one of the top character issues that needs to be taught to your child or grandchild is the reality of self-discipline. And it prepares, correction prepares them. It prepares a child for life and for how life works. Listen, life just has correction in it. It's just the way life is. And if a child grows up getting everything that they want, that is not preparing them to leave home equipped to handle life biblically whatsoever. And it also prepares them to have a biblical view of life and of God. God corrects. Their father corrects. Their creator corrects. As well as uh, just the scriptures talk about that. It also just reemphasizes the need for a savior. If you've been around here for a while, you've heard me say a time or two. Parents, we are self-esteeming people, our children oftentimes, away from the Savior. Because if they are so marvelous and so great and so about loving themselves, why do they need a Savior? 
Instead, the scriptures talk about how foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And one of the things correction brings about is helping a child understand they do not meet God's standard of perfection and they need a Savior. Fourth, it's useful for exposing. It's useful for exposing. It's useful for exposing the child's heart. Luke 6.45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. James 4.1, passage we're going to be going to next week. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Listen, correction is about all about bringing out the heart. It's not about correcting because you're irritating me or you've inconvenienced me. It's correction at the heart. That's where we're going. Whether they're six months old or they're 16 or they're 18, it's all about the heart. And I will tell you this for sure. It is not only useful for exposing the child's heart, but it is way useful for exposing a parent's heart. I have never realized how selfish I am until one, I got married. And then, two, until we had kids. And that's when, as a parent, you're like, holy cow, I am one selfish dude. And it exposes the parent's heart in responding in anger at times. Like, what brought that out? Like, what's in my heart with what's going on? And third, it also just brings out biblical truth. In fact, let's go there. Because the fifth thing it's useful for, it's useful for teaching. It's correction is useful for teaching. It's useful for teaching biblical truth. Parents, your correction should have biblical truth in it. And I'm going to be giving some illustrations here in just a little bit. It should be teaching biblical truth. It should be teaching that life is about choices. Here's the deal. Wrong choices bring suffering. Right choices bring blessing. In fact, I'm going to jump ahead and tell you this is the million dollar question, parents. I'm going to really up this one because this was the one sentence that we learned in parenting, that some training to us, that changed everything in how we parented our child and children. And here it is. Are you going to obey or disobey? That's it. Luke, are you going to obey or disobey? Emily, are you going to obey or disobey? That's the issue. That is the issue. Everything else is irrelevant. But I'm hungry. No. Are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? But I, I'm tired. That's okay. But are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? Yeah, but I don't really want to. Uh, that's nice. But are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? Yeah, but I want to go out and play with Emily. Well, but no, that's not the issue. The question is, is are you going to obey or disobey? That is the issue. Because for you and I, before God, that is the same issue. That's all of life from God's perspective. Life is about my choices. Am I going to obey or disobey? That's it. That's really it. But I don't really want to go to work today. Are you going to obey or disobey? Hey, listen, spouses don't use this to each other. 
at the morning. But ultimately, this is what it comes down to. But I don't really feel like loving my wife today. Okay, God says, are you going to obey or are you going to disobey? That's the issue. And it is teaches about that life is about choices. But it also teaches that there is hope in Christ. Correction brings out the reality of hope. There is hope in Christ. We fall short. We miss the mark. We don't hit God's target. And yet, there is hope in Christ. And correction is to be showing that. Two tools. What's the first tool? Instruction. What's the second tool? And where does that come from? <laughs> Ephesians 6, 4. Where does that come from? So if someone were to come up to you on the road and say, man, is there like a passage in the Bible that would really help me in understanding how to parent? Where would you take them? Okay. And if they were to say, you know what? I need a couple tools on how to parent. How do I parent? Like, what would a couple tools be? What would that be? Very good. All right, let's bring this in here. Our correction is to be definable, reasonable, and useful. Now, I want to take the next 10 or 15 minutes here, and uh, it'll be 15, and um, bring (laughs) bring this in here. And here's what I want to do. I want to attempt to try and bring some key areas in different stages of a child's life. Okay, parents? Because you go, instruction question. Okay, really cool. Like, what does that look like? Now, this kind of stuff, I told some people last night, in some ways, these last three weeks kind of drives me crazy. I don't mean the negative way, but this is the kind of stuff that generally Karen and I spent six to eight weeks in workshops working with people in the past. And we're just trying to put some key things on the table for you right now as we go through this series. And so there's so many other things we could be bringing on the table. But so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and highlight some things at different ages, stages of life that bring in both instruction and correction, okay? It's not everything. What you need to do is you need to go and get some more books that we've got out here. Uh, The Heart of Anger, Anger, Shepherding a Child's Heart, The Age of Opportunity. You need to get the scripture, uh, what is it, the Counselor's Scripture Manual. I forgot what that's called. It's got the ring binder on it. It's brown colored. Go get it, parents. You should have that in your home. It lists various areas, and you can go and go to a verse and have a verse there, okay? So let me do this. Let me make some attempts here. So I'm kind of out of uh, sermony, and I'm into workshoppy. Here we go. All right? Here's the deal. Let's just pick, say, 16 to 18 months old. Or, I'm sorry, 6 to 18 months old-ish. Instruction. What are some things you're teaching? You're teaching... Um, this, come, stop, no, stay gentle. Uh, Okay, it sounds like training a pet. And in certain aspects, there's some reality to that at this age. You're trying to teach these things. We used to do, Karen, especially during the day, she would do the red light, green light game with a little one. Yes, with a little one, but it wasn't red light, green light because they're like stoplight. Who cares about that? You know, so they're at 12 months or 16 months or 18 months old. And it was it was stop, come game. And she would have fun with it. And just the whole thing was teaching stop, come. So they knew what stop was. They knew what come was. And they were understanding these. Uh, Practice gentleness. Teach gentleness. 
You know, you go over to grandma's house and there's all these pretty things. And then the parents are over there like, I don't get it. Why does not my 18-month-old not understand gentleness? Here's the question. Have you taught him or her gentleness? And plus they're 18 months. Okay? But it's the kind of thing you get out the stuff, kitty. You know, the, 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 the toy, not the real thing. And you come and you bring them and you talk literally. You teach what, how to treat a kitty. You do this. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. This is what you do. You get something very special in your home that's way up high so they can't touch it, and you bring it down every so often, and you teach the one-finger touch so that when you say one finger, they know what you're talking about. That's a one-finger thing. Okay, you can touch. Okay, oh, isn't that cool? And that's what we're working on with a child of that age. Teach putting things away. You mean at that young? Absolutely. You're doing the laundry. You've got some laundry to take into their room. Give him, give her a few socks just to put on their, or something to put over their head or to have fun. And they carry along with you into their bedroom. You open the drawer. They put it in their sock drawer. There are two socks in. Well, you bring the other 99% of everything in. But you're involving them. That's teaching. All of life is opportunities to teach children. All of life, putting things away. Teach them to obey. This is just key in these early years. And let me tell you, when they do something right, when they make a right choice, go crazy. This is the time to look like a fool. Put this, oh, by the way, this, this, oh, yay! Way to go, Emily! Woo! And use this, God is pleased. And they're like, who? It doesn't matter because you're practicing and you're stating words. You're getting words in their life that they will be able to put together later on. Correction. Uh, correction. As you can see on the, the, the diagram, although in these years it's like way high. But listen, here's the deal. There's common things like changing the diapers and the wiggling on the table, the trying to get out of the high chair, the shopping cart, the car seat. All parents are like, at these ages, but yet you're working with them. These are times to teach and to help them. Use, provide distractions. Give them some Cheerios while you're changing. Help them out. Don't just nail them. Help them out during this time. Uh, the stern no, no. We would do a smack on the hand. It was the dog whisperer thing. We're t- you know, the p- but it was on their hand and just trying to get them to pay attention. No, and here's the thing. We're not hurting. We're, we're, not, we're not bringing any kind of, you know, welts or no, no, no. We're just simply getting their attention. And we're helping them associate doing what's wrong has an ouch factor to it. Okay, and it's just it's just that simple in helping them associate together. Six to eighteen months, play a lot, praise a lot, pray a lot, teach a lot, hug a lot, and begin raising your infant to leave home, equipped to handle life biblically. Okay, twos. Got to keep moving. Twos. This is kind of the big chunk. Um, listen, the first five years. So twos to five. The first five years, parents, this is the time. I am just absolutely convinced these first five years are huge in a child's life. And this is the time to put away your hobbies if you need to. 
and invest it in the first five because they have established the patterns. And do not buy into the baloney talk that's out there. It's just a stage. No, they're sinning right on time. That's what this is about, a stage. You know, do we have stages in life? Yeah, like I don't feel so well. It's that time of month. It's things are going on in life. It's I don't like this. It's making it hard in the time. And yet, are we allowed to be out of obeying? There is never a time to stop obeying before God. And our children need to understand that as well. So invest it in. So instruction, uh, teaching is really coming into the picture here. Have a, have a family word of the month. I was just talking to a family this week, and, the, and this word for their family this month is the word honesty. And parents, both of you, on the same page together, everything you're doing put into the family word of the month because they're understanding what's going on. Be careful with multiple children that you don't put them on the same category, though. There's differences. Teach and practice responsibilities. Teach them what cleanup looks like. Teach them how to get dressed. Teach them what clothes are. Teach these things. Don't just expect them. And teach by reading together. Listen, look at me, parents. I beg of you. Put away the TV. Please. In these early years, I beg of you, I'm not an anti-TV Christian wacko, but in these years, if you are using videos and the TV is your nanny, I have to love you enough to say, stop it. There's study after study that's being shown of the impact of that, and watch it. Have fun with it, but minimize it. Please minimize it. Don't get caught into the TV nanny life. Instead, read together. Read together. Read stuff where they're just learning character issues. I remember times I'd come home at the end of the day from work, and Karen was like, please, you've got to take over because my jaw is just tired. She had TMJ in those days, and just she would be exhausted from reading again and again and again and again with the kids. But it's so important. Please read. Use charts, charts on the refrigerator, the stars, the stickers, all those kinds of things on the refrigerator. Use them. I mean, they're great. The kids love them. As an adult, I think they're retarded, but they, they love them. They just love them. They work with them, have fun with them. They add up, and when they add up, you go to get ice cream or something. Use charts. And the million-dollar question, which is what? (sighs) Not not convincing. Instruction. Correction with the twos through fives. Obedience is central. Obedience is key here. This is the time. The terrible twos, whatever. They're sinners. That's what it's about. I loved the twos. In fact, we used to say if Karen could uh, not give birth until a two-year-old, we might have more than the two. She wasn't quite willing to go with that program. But I love that they're little people. You can start, you know, getting into their heart like incredible ways. And so in that time, obedience is central. Listen, if you're a counter, okay, Johnny, put your toys away. One, two, don't. Are they supposed to obey at one? Or is it three? Or is it four? Or is it five? No, this is when they obey. 
Johnny, put your toys away. That's when they're supposed to obey. And if you're a counter, please stop it. Think about what you're doing because you're training them to wait. Okay? Give them time. If you want to let them give them time to think, Johnny, put your toys away. Um, hmm. If I do that, oops. If I do, give them time. Let them have the time. Uh, obedience is central. Use a think chair, not a timeout. Think chair. The think chair is the type of thing where they sit down, the, the, the clock is set, and, and they know that when it dings, whatever it is, you know, 30 minutes, 50 minutes, just kidding. Uh, you know, when it dings again, that that's, it's not over then. It's not, okay, get up, go. No, 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 no. There's no teaching there. It's no. Luke, go to the think chair. And ding, mommy, the dinger went. We come back, we sit down, and say, okay, Luke. What did mommy ask? What did dad? I'm, I'm daddy. What did daddy ask you to do? He asked me to put my toys away. What, what, what was wrong? I didn't put the toys away. So what, what does the Bible call that? The Bible calls that sin. By the way, I'm telling you, there's some teaching that's gone on for a child to be able to say all this. And you help them in the beginning. And then you talk it. What should you have done? I should have put the toys away. Okay, so what are you going to do now? I'm going to go put the toys away. That's teaching and not just go sit, okay, go. I mean, their head's not being taught to think and you're not teaching them. With the spanking, that was our nuclear bomb. We did spank our kids. We didn't, I don't think we spanked our kids after they were five years old, ever. And because that was the one thing that we used for lying and disobedience. And I don't have the time to go through it, but it was every time that took place, it was a 15 to 20 minute process. You're like, you're kidding. No, we only used it for certain nuclear issues. Outright disobedience or lying for us were the nuclear bombs. Luke, pick up the toys, and he knew it. We come over. Luke, did you hear? You know, did, did you hear? My, yes. And you go, okay, I'm going to come back in a minute. He hasn't done it. You know, Luke, up to your room. Come up to the room. Luke, sit down next to Luke on the bed. Luke, what did Daddy ask you to do? Just to make sure. Maybe I haven't communicated well. Uh, you asked me to pick up my toys. Well, what, what happened? Uh, I didn't want to pick up the toys. Well, what should you? What does God want you to do? Obey, Daddy. Uh, what would that look like to pick up the toys? Well, Luke, what happens when you disobey? Or what does the Bible call that? That called Bible calls that sin. And, and what, what happens when we sin? Well, there's consequences of sin. Or you'd say it differently. It would usually be like <laughs> you spank. And so at that point in time, so Luke, yeah, for this, you know that this is what happens, don't you? Yeah, I do, Daddy. And so we would have a spank, and I'd sit him back on the bed. He'd kind of be crying, just laying there for a little while. And, and I'd, I'd go out, and I'd say, I'll be back in just a minute. I'd go out. I'd come back into the room, sit next to him, go through the whole, oh, every time I do this, it just shakes me. Because I hated the process. I hated the whole thing, but I loved it at the same time. And I sit next to Luke and Luke, what happened? <laughs> you know, we go through it again. What does the Bible call us? Da, 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 da. Well, what should you have done? You should have done this. So what does the Bible say that you're to do after you sin? I'm to ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness of who? Forgiveness of God. Okay, good. And forgiveness of who else? Forgiveness of that who I sinned against. I'm telling you, there's a lot of teaching that's gone on behind this. And then he says, so let's do that now. And so he'd pray, oh, God, forgive me for not obeying and then to me, oh, Daddy, would you forget? Oh, that's the coolest moment ever. I'm sorry. The coolest moment ever. And then at that point, we would hug to represent that sin has been covered and we're moving on. 
And it was a long process of teaching. And it's not and we did that from people that helped us to learn that process and train. And I'm telling you, it changes everything. And teaching flows with correction. And the twos also use gain and loss of privileges. They lose their favorite toy, so on and so forth. I've got to keep going here. Uh, by the way, uh, don't think that they can't be taught until they're five. Because when they're five, their heart, their heart is harder. Uh, don't buy into the, it's just a stage game. By the way, whining is never acceptable. Never. Elementary school. Ugh. Huge formal, informal teaching opportunity instruction. Teach, teach chores. I'm going to buzz through this. Teach chores, teach allowance. I'm going to talk about that here in a few weeks. Anybody have a Kleenex? Seriously. If anybody does, I'll pay for them. Um, teach chores, teach allowance, teach about media, about what are the standards, about the time allotted, the choices. Uh, by the way, thanks, babe. There's no TV in the bedroom. Don't put a TV in the bedroom. Uh, teach about uniquenesses of families. Different families have different rules and practices, and that's okay. That's okay. They have different rules and practices, and they need to understand that. You just happen to be blessed to be born in this family. <laughs> and one day you're going to be leaving teach about friendships teach about body changes teach about sex yes because they're going to be taught and i'd rather have them hear it from daddy and mommy than from billy bob in the locker room in elementary school body changes uh purity even in elementary school guy girl relationships language drugs and alcohol do you realize that 50 percent of sixth graders have already uh, uh, drunk alcohol. Not like, you know, here, take a sip, but literally, and studies show that. And it's like, you know, not at that point. Yes, at that point. Establish school responsibilities. Parents, John Rosemond, write it down. John Rosemond, R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D. Author, phenomenal. Get the book, Ending the Homework Hassle. Ending the homework hassle. We don't have it here. I don't know if you have to buy it used. I don't know if it's out of print. But in fact, the coolest thing, John Roseman just came to Christ about 10 years ago. And uh, he has written just some of the best practical, biblical parenting application stuff than I've almost read from anybody. And it's just phenomenal. Establish school responsibilities. Continue the million-dollar question, which is what? Are you going to obey or disobey? Brings everything. Correction. Here we go. Buzz. Use natural consequences. You leave the bike out and it rains and it gets stolen. Hey, it gets rusty. That's life, dude. Boy, that sounds mean, doesn't it? Uh, don't give, if you don't give bunny, if you don't give water to the bunny, it's going to die. Um, we had that happen. And no, it wasn't like we let it die. But it died. And it was because Emily didn't wa- give water to it over time. And that happens, and you use that to teach, um, so on and so forth. Use lost privileges, uh, favorite toys, activities. Listen, these are benefits. They aren't I deserve. Take the go-kart away if you're out and they're younger and using it or things. The earth stops with lying and direct disobedience. Okay? Play a lot, praise a lot, pray a lot, teach a lot, hug a lot, raise your child to leave home equipped to handle life biblically junior high okay here we go 15 20 minutes okay here we go instruction 
Use dinner times. Use dinner times. Eat together. Uh, Add one-on-one discipleship time. Dad, get with son and start having some donut talks uh, out at at, at the donut store here and there. Pick topics that you want to teach that he's interested in. Moms with your daughter, with both of them. Uh, Do life teaching. Uh, Instruct through rewards. Foster their interests. Listen, if you're a car geek and they're a car geek, get geeking in cars together. You know, whatever it is, start in junior high. Start doing stuff together that is beyond the interest at the moment. And ask tons of questions. Do you see how it's changed here, over here? The discipline is way under the instruction line. Are you doing more discipline than instruction? If you are, you've got it upside down by this time. Ask questions. Get to the heart. Allow them to fail. And then just love on them. Don't overprotect them. Start giving them some room. Uh, Have a blast together. Correction. Ask questions. Use questions. Use lots of regular and life consequences and rewards. That's taken away. You lose this because it's starting to get more and more adults. Use everyday activities and stuff for leverage. (laughs) Uh, The Xbox. um, All these kinds of things going on. Listen, junior high can be a blast. Absolute blast in it. Okay, uh, last, senior high. Ask good questions. Don't nag. Oh, that can be exasperating. Uh, increase fostering of their life interests. What do they like to do? Start initiating some some things. Go out, find things they like, and then do it with them. The one-on-one discipleship with them. Uh, Foster leadership skills. Do things together where they've got to do leadership. Create life experiences. Create them. Provide times they will never forget. And it doesn't have to be expensive. But just landing an airplane in the front yard. For me, with my dad, and um, that was weird. Uh, do and foster serving and giving a correction. Loss of trust is a loss of opportunities. Loss of trust. We used to tell our kids, listen, as long as you continue to, to, to earn our trust, we will give you more and more freedom. But the time where we lose our trust, we have to begin pulling back freedom. Use money, sell, PC, gaming, extracurricular activities. Use freedom. Time with friends as correction tools. Teach and clarify with all correction. Boy, parents, don't you just hate it when your boss just comes and, like, chews you out for something and you really don't know what it's about? It's exasperating. But teach with it. And use your life actions to teach to them. Watch your anger. Show them how to handle anger. Life hurts an imperfect authority. Finish strong. Finish strong. I think one of the mistakes I've made as a parent is in the last couple of years, I'm pulling back a little too soon as a dad. Wanting them to go and to take the next steps, but yet I'm not. I'm talking about not controlling, but I'm talking about the discipling depth in our children. I've pulled back a little bit too soon. Parents pray a lot, play a lot, praise a lot, teach a lot, hug a lot, and raise your junior higher, your senior higher, your baby, your toddler to leave home equipped to handle life biblically. Well, you've been incredibly patient as I've gone along here this morning. Um, Teens, tweens, life is about choices. 
life is about choices. And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you, make right choices. Please make right choices. Right choices aren't easy to make. But make them. They're worth it. Parents, raise your children to leave home. Raise your children to leave home equipped to handle life biblically. And then it's their choice. And then it's their choice. Well, for the coming weeks, we're going to be hitting on some life areas. Next week, we're going to be talking about communication, and I think I'm going to be keying in on how to handle anger, especially. And then after that, we're going to have our one-year anniversary, and uh, it is going to be cool. And we're going to just going to have a celebration Sunday with that. And uh, then after that, we're going to hit a couple more life topics that apply to all of us. And uh, then we're going to start something new in the Old Testament because I'm looking forward to getting back and just running with the Scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your kindness and your grace and your goodness. Lord, I pray for these parents, for these grandparents. Father, they just really have a major task on their platter. Would you help them to be the kind of parents and grandparents that raise their kids and their grandchildren in a way that would honor you? Give them wisdom. I pray give them humility to seek help when they need help. Pray you give them humility to seek forgiveness of their kids when they need to. Father, I thank you so much for these kids and the teens and the tweens. Would you help these kids to uh, just make the choices of honoring you? That they would know that doing what is right before a holy God is the best thing that could possibly be done. Lord, thank you for our teens. Thank you for our tweens. Thank you for the kids that are here at this church. What a delight to be raising the next generation for you. Lord, thank you for being the perfect father. The father that does not just cast us out here and ask us to just be, but puts us here and asks us to follow what you tell us to do, to give us your instruction. And then, Lord, thank you for your correction. Thank you for helping us to stay within those loving limits. Because when you say no, it's not to be mean. It's actually to protect us. And it's actually to help us to glorify you more. Father, thank you for life. And thank you for the challenge of it. May we bring you glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.